wrote up an intro. Yeah. Been, I think my other one's been lacking. So. <laughs> I, I like the spontaneity, actually, of uh, some of the previous ones. Welcome, audio jokers. To- Tobin gives you the, the nasty <laughs> look. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate the way you start the show. I hate the way you end the show. Part of the show a lot is what I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, I love the middle of the show because you shut the hell up. I, I never said that. <laughs> but you thought it. You don't know. I'm inside your head, Tobin. I'm inside your head. All right, I'm sorry. Let's get this awesome intro down. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, now, that, uh, now that we've built it up. And welcome. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to the 144th most popular iTunes sports podcast, The Audio Choke, a labor of love from the 49th state. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. And I'm Matt Collins. Take a cue from Ultimate Boxing Bags and follow us, audiochoke at twitter.com. And be like Mike Tracy. No, be like Tracy Moreau. (laughs) Be our friend. Audio choke at facebook.com and we're all up in iTunes business now. So That's right. Download us and take us anywhere. You can find us on the MMA Torch podcast, which is uh, it's picking up some steam yep. and uh, we are downloadable, which means you don't have to be sitting in front of your computer to listen to us. You can take us on the go. Yeah, so thanks for being here and uh, write a comment, go to the forum. Let's do this thing. UFC, it's coming up. We've got a pay-per-view on the way. And Wait, Tobin what? is so going to come over to my house and watch it with Greg and I, right? Oh, you invited me. Yeah. I acknowledge your invitation. Thank you. And he's thinking about it, apparently. Oh, he's got some thinking to-dos. It has been logged. Yeah. He, he might have plans, though. Some more injuries? Is this what uh, this next UFC is going to be known for? Is it marred by injuries again? Or is I, this I don't think this was actually that, that bad. Uh, the, the big injury that was uh, down the line is uh, oh, Anderson Silva's opponent. Uh, by the way, any awkward pauses? Just got to chalk that up the Dayquil kicking in. Uh-oh. So, uh, yeah. But Perhaps no, I uh, should move away a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking no? good, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> By good, you mean like death. Sure. That's cool. You drinking tea? Oh, yeah. You do? You drink the tea? Sometimes. Have you been? Yeah. I drink like good. Yeah. Five. It's good for you now. Five glasses, five units of tea the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Units, yes. What kind of tea? I don't know. Green tea. Mm. Mmm. Traditional. Well, this has gotten off to a really good start. It's the cold medicine. What's your excuse? <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, Vitor Belfort got injured, which totally sucks. Right, that guy. Yeah. I forgot his name. I felt bad. Yeah. Who could forget, forget Vitor? I know he felt bad. What? <laughs> Vitor is like, he did not remember name. <laughs> um, so, yeah, UFC is, uh, they kind of scrambled to find an opponent for him. Uh Nate Morcart just came off of a loss to uh, Kale Sonnen, obviously, in the number one contender match. And uh, the big cut on Kale Sonnen's head kind of stopped him from taking the fight. So it looks like Damian Maya is uh, filling in the slot, which is a fight that a lot of people were excited to see six months ago. But it's kind of lost some steam now. It's still a fight that a lot of people would like to see. You know, he certainly poses a, a good threat on the ground to Anderson Silva. If he can get him down, then uh, it, it's very likely that he could uh, pull off a submission of some sort. But at the same time, it's not particularly likely that uh, Damian Maya will get this fight to the ground, at least in a, uh, a favorable position. Uh, last time Anderson Silva fought a, a pure grappler like that was his last title defense against Talos Ladies, which was uh, a, a pretty, pretty terrible event. But um, at least Demi and Maya is a bit more aggressive and uh, will hopefully uh, be willing to uh, either just charge in and get him down or charge in and, and take his punishment. Right, yeah, I mean, the only knock I have against this fight is, I mean, obviously it's unfortunate that uh, Belfort got injured. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, I'd definitely love to see uh, Maya take the, you know, do this fight. It's just the only knock, I guess, is the momentum factors. He he. he just got a rebound win over a, over a tough loss to Nate Marquardt uh, after getting this face 
punched in. So he just came back with one victory. So it's just the whole idea of you know building up a couple a couple wins to kind of get uh, you know the crowd uh, the viewers more interested. You know even from a technical standpoint, you know it's not like the fight's going to get necessarily more interesting if uh, Maya has a few more fights under his belt because uh, he's not going to get to the level of striking where he should even consider standing or exchanging. Mm-hmm. Blows with Anderson Silva at all. I, I would expect his strategy would be the same now as it would be, you know, if he had five more fights under his belt, just because of the the, the quality striking that Silva brings to the table. And uh, of course, Maya is just uh, an ace on the ground. He's probably one of the top uh, jujitsu guys uh, in, in MMA right now. So, but again, just from like the marketing standpoint and the excitement levels, you know. Yeah. The momentum is definitely off. Uh, not only did he have that loss uh, to Markar, like you just said, but, um, I mean, even his win at UFC 109 was a fairly lackluster fight. It was probably the least exciting fight of the entire card, at least that we saw. And, um, I mean, Dan Miller is a tough guy. He's got, uh, he's got a good ground game. He, he's not easily submitted like, uh, you know, a lot of guys are. Uh, but, you know, it just wasn't really much of a fight to see. And, uh, he, he spent a lot of the fight showing that he has improved his hands, but, as you pointed out, he's he's not wanting to use those hands against uh, Anderson Silva, so that's kind of a moot point. So it it's definitely lost some of the excitement in terms of uh, uh, momentum, but, you know, the UFC hype machine can do wonders too. So uh, they've got a few months or a month and some time to uh, get us excited about it. Yeah, uh-huh. we got UFC 110 coming up this week, and then 111, and then 112 is when they'll be fighting, right? Yeah, they're going to be in oh, the uh, UAE. Yeah, so that that should be interesting. And yeah, the other thing is just like, you know, Chael Sonnen basically just won the number one contenders match, so it's unfortunate that he won't be able to get the shot, but just because of the medical issues and such. Um, but, you know, who knows? He's, he's As he said, he's, he's only five strike attempts away from winning the UFC belt, so it'll be waiting for him once Anderson Silva uh, potentially, possibly, probably will beat Damian Maya, I would think. He would certainly come in there as the favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, just it, because, yeah. you know, he, he's the best striker, and uh, Maya's the best grappler, arguably, but uh, every fight starts, uh, starts out striking. So yeah, it's, uh, it's on Maya to get the fight to the ground. Yes, if he can avoid getting punched directly in the face mm-hmm. while going for a takedown, it'll, it'll be interesting for sure. How is Silva's takedown defense? It's not the best, but it's good. Um, I mean... So there is a chance that if um, he's just trying to, if Maya's just trying to take him down, you know, again and again, that he could probably keep it to the feet. Um, you, you know, it, it all depends on how things play out. Um, and and that's always kind of a tricky thing when uh, n- neither of them are really that great at a, um, I mean, like, neither of them are elite at controlling where the fight is going to take place. Um I mean, Maya, while he's not a particularly great wrestler, up until the uh, Morkart fight, did manage to get every fight to the ground, even against guys who uh, are, are much better wrestlers than he is, uh, just by kind of hugging them and, and, and taking them down. And, uh, you know, it's not the prettiest takedowns, but when you don't mind fighting off your back, it works. And, uh, you know, Anderson Silva, he, he's got good sprawl. Um, he can get taken down by good wrestlers like uh, Dan Henderson and and even Travis Luter put him on his back a couple of times in that fight too. So, I mean, he, he's got the the long reach and uh, the knees that uh, is going to be a big problem for Maya. But if Maya can get close to him without getting knocked out, which you know that's a big if, yep. then uh, then the fight could end up on the mat, and that'll certainly make things more interesting. Yeah, so I mean, again, a, a good fight just for like the hardcore fans or just the style matchup, but just like the, the only knock is again the circumstances surrounding it. But uh, you know, we got a few months of or a couple more UFC events to build towards it at least. The only issue that I would see having is, um, in terms of not being a, a particularly exciting thing, is if Anderson Silva uh, just kind of refuses to uh, engage and uh, Maya refuses to engage, which. Um, it's kind of what we saw with the, the, the latest fight. Yeah, and even the Patrick Cote fight. Um, neither guy was wanting to be the guy to go in there and, and uh, draw first blood, so to speak, because the other guy was going to counterattack them. And, you know, there's some truth to being, uh, you know, if you want to beat the champ, or be the champ, you got to beat him. Uh, well, punching him would probably help. Yeah, yeah but you, you, uh, both guys are at fault in, in those fights. And, uh, 
Anderson Silva did receive a lot of criticism for that, and uh, you know, I, I don't think it's going to play out that way necessarily. Um, like I said, I think uh, Maya is a much more aggressive uh, with his takedowns, so I think it'll be a good one, and uh, it, it's something interesting. Uh, Anderson Silva, like I said, should be the favorite, but uh, you know, I've seen crazier happen. So, uh, Vitor Belfort, <clears throat> pardon me, shoulder injury, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And where was he on his, was this on the comeback trail? And was this yeah. uh, his, like, third or fourth comeback? Yeah. <laughs> he is always uh, on some sort of comeback or on some sort of downhill. He's had the most up-and-down career of any mixed martial art fighter. And, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty short history, uh, the sport. But, I mean, Vitor has been around since... Just about the beginning, he was 19 when he had his first UFC fight uh, back in like 1997, and uh, so I mean he's a a name for the the hardcore old school fans, and he's a name for the the new fans. Um, I mean he's been around forever, and he's had all kinds of ups. There's always talks about is this the new Vitor? Is it the old Vitor? Um, the one that would just go crazy with his hands? I've always kind of felt that uh, yeah, there's, there's only one Vitor. It's uh, often a matter of who he's up against right. more so than uh, uh, which one of there is. Although, at the same time, he is kind of... Uh, he does seem to have some uh, uh, issues with the mentality of the fight game. So, uh, you know, I, I can see that sometimes he loses matches in his head before he actually loses them in the fight. Mm-hmm. Um I actually kind of feel that Vitor Belfort has been known for uh, looking at his opponent and maybe even just subconsciously determining whether or not he can beat them before the fight even starts. Because uh, some fights you see him and he just goes in there like a ball of fire, and uh, some fights he just like just waits to get pounded. It feels like. But um, yeah, I mean, he he came in there and he he knocked out Rich Franklin in like two and a half minutes or something. Yeah, it was pretty quick. And um. I mean, he's looked great. He's on a five-fight win streak, I believe. Yeah, before uh, Franklin, I think he had a pretty sick knockout over uh, Matt Lindlin. Yeah. Affliction. Yeah, that was a really brutal one. I mean, Matt Lindlin was taking down referees several minutes after the knockout, so yeah. uh, he knocked him pretty silly. And, uh, you know, I mean, Vitor Belfort, like I said, he's got the big name. Um, I don't really feel that he deserved this title shot, though. Oh, um, he, hadn't, he hadn't fought at middleweight yet. Yeah, which I mean, is weird. That's uh, one of many reasons. Not only has he not fought at middleweight in the UFC, but it's like he's only had one fight since returning to the UFC. Yeah. And granted, he beat a top guy, but it's like it was only one fight. And um, you know, of all the criticism that I've given Anderson Silva for picking and choosing his opponents, uh, I, I kind of give him that one um, because you know Vitor didn't really necessarily deserve that one. Yeah. Um, although it's never the champion's place to pick his opponents. But uh, Vitor, uh, I'd kind of like to see him lose a couple spots in line. I don't feel that usually you should lose a title shot for an injury. But in this case, it's a title shot that he kind of walked into anyway. So uh, I think he should uh, have to earn his spot after this one. Yeah, I mean, just just from the whole thing of having not fought at middleweight, you know, you think he would have had to prove he could, you know, get down to the weight and fight there competently and stuff. And now with, you know, a solid challenger and a Chael Son and having a Maya fill in and, you know, Mark Rutt will probably be back up there in a few more fights, provided he, he gets a couple more wins under his belt, you know. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll, have, maybe we'll see Vitor versus uh, Mark Ward or something. That would be a fun one. But, yeah, I mean, there wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, for a lot of fans, necessarily a lot of excitement before, between the uh, fight for uh, Vitor and uh, Anderson Silva to begin with. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, anything you guys uh, want to talk about? Do you want to just run through the upcoming pay-per-view, the firings? Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Let's just talk about, uh, or just touch on, I guess. It's not a, a huge thing, but... Yeah, a lot of guys lost their job in the UFC after this last pay-per-view 109, which wasn't really uh, a huge surprise. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys were kind of on the edge anyway. Um, man, Absent I from that list, Holes Gracie. Yeah, uh, well, he was making, I think it was his debut, yeah. but... Uh, you know, first day on the job, you're out of here. <laughs> well, you know, y- you put on an embarrassingly bad performance like that, and it was embarrassingly bad. And uh, you know, you get fired, and 
That's only his fourth fight, I think. So, but he's some, still he's still there, though. Yeah, some chalk it up to inexperience, and uh, he'll get his chance to get some more experience in some smaller shows. Because oh, yeah. if that's the issue, if that's the reason he gassed out, then he most certainly needs it. Yeah, and I mean, there's been plenty of people who've been cut by the UFC and then come back, you know, in a year or two after. Yeah, I mean, Frank Trigg fought in the UFC before, got got cut, you know, worked his way back up and came back in and. Yeah. Just Frank, got cut again. Yeah, Frank but, yeah. Trigg, one of one of those members that yes. uh, got a pink slip. Mark Coleman, um, as we had all known, um, after losing to Randy Couture, uh, Tim Haig has been eliminated, as well as uh, Ultimate Fighter Eight runner-up Felipe Nover, um, the guy who's had some medical issues, uh, not so much up to this fight, but leading up to uh, his previous fight, he had a seizure in the locker room like an hour before he was going to step into the cage, and uh, that fight ended up being canceled. And it was a fairly scary situation, but it turned out to be not a huge deal. But, I mean, you can't be having seizures. It's obviously, I mean, it's not something that he can control, I would think, but uh may have to change something in his lifestyle or diet or something. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's just kind of one of those risks you take. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it was just he wasn't seemed to live up to the potential. And, you know, not not like everyone who gets has a good run on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, deserves to stay in the UFC. But, uh, you know, I think there was a, a bit of promotion behind him initially, and then he just didn't really come follow through with, you know, many quality wins, it seemed like. Yeah, he, he really looked like a monster when he was on the show. And even though he ended up losing in the finale to Efrain, um during the build-up from the show and watching the two guys fight, he was certainly the favorite in a lot of people's eyes uh, going into that final fight. And he ended up losing uh, by decision. But, um, I mean, he, he looked really tough on the show, but, you know, also on The Ultimate Fighter, they get some really good guys in there, and, you know, they also get some guys who, uh, you know, aren't aren't really the, the best fighters a lot of times. Um, you know, the show has been known for finding a lot of... Uh, Good prospects, particularly in the earlier seasons, but you know, there's always some guys who just kind of get their faces punched by the guys who go on to be good. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's gone, and uh, Justin Buchholz, uh, our Alaskan brother, just got cut after losing to Mac Danzig, which uh, they build that fight as being a loser leaves town kind of match. Right. And, um, you know, both guys put on quite a show. Um, they both knew that they were uh, pretty much going to be cut if they lost, and uh, they certainly fought like they were fighting for their job. And, uh, unfortunately, one of them did, in fact, lose and got cut. Um, I kind of thought that maybe he had put on a good enough performance to get uh, to at least one more fight. But, you know, the guy's still young. He'll... Uh, He'll quite possibly make his way back into the UFC. And, I mean, even though he, he put on a good performance, he still lost something like four fights in the UFC. So yeah. it's a cut that makes sense. So do they pay him per fight, or they, like, put him under contract for four fights and then give him a lump sum of money then? Oh, it's like, a, what does this mean, you know, since he's been cut? Well, they get paid uh, on a fight basis. So, um, I mean, he's just got got to find somebody else to pay him now, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't under contract for anything... Well, I mean, Longer. you're under contract, but the contract stipulates that the UFC can cut you any time they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I mean, that's a pretty broad generalization, but for the most part, that's kind of seems how to sure. be the, their contracts work. The UFC signs fighters to what they call a winner's contract, where as long as you keep winning, everything's good. But if you lose a whole lot, then uh, th- they can cut you. And that's not always going to be the case, as is evidenced by Vanderlei Silva, who has lost four out of five fights in the UFC yeah. uh, since returning in uh, 2007. But the guy fights his heart out every time, and he's popular with the fans, and he, he brings an exciting file style. So uh, Dana White keeps bringing him back. And, uh, I mean, he's in a main event, yeah, or at I mean, least a co-main event. Yeah, it's that mixture of entertainment and sport that the UFC kind of, you know, dabbles in a bit of both, whereas, you know... Uh, while a sports team that constantly loses probably would not, uh, or you know, you'd reshuffle the deck, maybe look at some players that aren't performing well. But when you have the entertainment aspect and that, you know, you're, you're relying on pay-per-view buys, that sort of thing, TV ratings, uh, not only do you want, you know, it's good to have steady champions and people who are consistently winning, but people who have the the brand or the name value behind them as well. And, yeah, Vanderlei Silva's got a lot of... Uh, 
a lot of <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of that you could kind of say the same thing for uh, Mirko Krokop to an extent, where these guys haven't, you know, at least in the UFC, they haven't really lived up to you know the names they made when they were fighting, you know, in Japan back in the day for pride, that sort of thing. But because they have like, that uh, cachet with fans, uh, they, they kind of stay around longer than many other fighters who weren't performing or were performing at that same level would be. Would, they'd be gone by now. Probably. Yeah. Well, there's also something to be said, uh, particularly in the case of Vanderlei Silva. Um, you know, he, he's lost a lot of fights, but he's lost a lot of fights to some top competition. Right, right. I and mean, there's no shame in losing to Chuck Liddell and Rampage and, uh, you know, moving down in weight to uh, Rich Franklin. Um, you know, those are some, some really tough guys. Uh, so, I mean, he lost, and uh, he lost pretty decisively, particularly to Rampage. But, uh, you know, it's not like he was just fighting some guy who sucks. He was... right. He was fighting some top guys. Uh, all three of those guys are former champions. Yeah, I mean, speaking of you know, speaking of you know, having someone who uh, has some name value and you know, you know, not necessarily winning a lot, but uh, putting on um, you know, fighting quality competition. Were you guys kind of surprised to see um, Mark Coleman cut? Um, I mean, he had a fought Shogun recently, he beat Stefan Bonner, and then he loses to Randy Couture, who's not you know, that, that's no one to, that's no one to cough at for sure, yeah. you know. It w- and you know he was main eventing this thing. Is it, it, was it kind of? I guess from a competition standpoint, I wasn't surprised at all to see him cut. But just someone with you know, he. I mean the the way he's he's you know UFC Hall of Famer Mark Coleman. Were you guys kind of at all surprised to see him get cut after the fight? I thought it was a little disappointing that they're not that they didn't let that uh, that Tito uh, fight kind of Simmer play out. Developed. Now yeah. I know that Tito's got you know he's he's scheduled for other fights, you know, particularly yeah. against uh, Chuck Liddell and their coaching, uh, you know, the ultimate fighter and everything like that. So I think that would have been a lot of fun to see Coleman and uh, and Ortiz, but they would have just had to keep Coleman on in the back, you know, in the right, back burner, right. just kind of uh, simmering while, you know, they let uh, the Tito and uh, Iceman thing uh, playeth out. So I think that that was more of an, a time investment that the UFC didn't want to didn't want to put into uh, Mark Coleman. And I've got kind of mixed feelings on it. Um, it it's kind of sad to see, you know, a headline like UFC cuts Hall of Famer Mark right, Coleman. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, like y- you watch that fight and Mark Coleman really didn't look like he belonged there at all. No, no. Um, I mean, Randy Couture did not look good against Brandon Vera. Uh, who's not like a, a top top guy either, and he he made Mark Coleman look like he didn't belong in the ring with him. So, um, Mark Coleman shouldn't be fighting the elite guys, and that is what the UFC is. And, um, you know the UFC doesn't want to bring along some idiot for Mark Coleman to beat up either. You know they're gonna have to to dig pretty deep. He could probably have beaten Holes Gracie, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody nobody <laughs> was gonna pay to see that one. Um, yeah. So and he probably couldn't have beaten Tito either, you know, that probably wouldn't have been Yeah. So. He wouldn't have had the gas tank. He he arguably could have won the uh the takedown, which uh, you know, you don't see Tito on his back a whole lot. So if he had more in his gas tank, I'd give him a much better chance. Um but he, yeah, he tends to tire out pretty quickly. Um and the weight cut for Mark Coleman, uh I mean, he beat Stefan Bonner, but yeah, he was not a small heavyweight at, at like 240 pounds for much of his career. Uh, cutting down to 205, he he lost some significant muscle mass. It was really weird to me to to see that in the first place. Uh, I mean, yeah. granted, he would have been the smaller against uh, a lot of heavyweight fighters. You know, when he first came back, he was going to be matched up against Brock Lesnar, which uh, you know he, he ended up getting injured. Brock Lesnar fought Heath Herring instead. That would have been that would have been bad for Mark Coleman. Yeah, uh, yeah. Him and that bobblehead of his. <laughs> if you think if you think uh, yeah, Lesnar made uh, Herring look bad, he would have. He, he he probably would have like just killed Coleman. Yeah, it, it's it's Victory possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's one of the things that UFC said is that they don't want to see Mark Coleman die in the ring. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's too bad and everything, you know. But you just got to retire sometimes, right, guys. And, yeah. And sports never play out like the movies. Rarely, you're never gonna see like the guy who's like it, it's his, you know, the, the Hall of Famer, the guy who's like pushing the wrong side of, you know, his age. You know, go out on a win. Very rarely will that happen. It's usually like, you know. Yeah. I guess just Mark Coleman's the Patrick burn. Ewing of uh, UFC. Hmm, Patrick yeah. Ewing. Okay. And the, the UFC has stated that you know they, they want to. Uh, 
they want to keep Mark Holman around in a non-fight sense, probably much like when they made uh, Chuck Liddell the director of fun or uh, whatever it was. Uh, he no, that's what I'm saying. We don't want someone else to capitalize on this person's name. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they, they want to keep Mark Holman around. They want to be nice. But uh, they, they don't want to give him any more the fights. Floors or something. Like I don't know what he could do. You know, he's not. He wouldn't be very good at color uh, commenting, tating. Would he? Would, am I wrong? With the stars. He no, could he'd be, be horrible with, at commenting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he'd just be like swearing at Tito the whole time. Where is that fool? <laughs> yeah, this guy needs to get up and punch that guy. Um, yeah. interviews. Uh, Joe Rogan does fine. You know, they're they're so efficient over there at UFC yeah, that they right. have. You know, so few people doing so many jobs that I just can't see um, a way for Mark Coleman to be in there. And I, I don't really remember him being like one of the most beloved UFC fighters of yeah. all time. Well, and honestly, if you look who UFC matched him up against, I mean, not to say anything, but I don't think the UFC was expecting him to do well. I mean, his first fight back was going to be against Brock Lesnar. That was clearly meant to like be, uh, you know. A stepping stone for Brock Lesnar, yeah. more I mean, than... not like a squash match, but yeah. someone that, like, this is someone Lesnar's probably going to beat. Maybe and a name, a and yeah. like, yeah, welcome the new monster yeah. to the UFC. And, and then, he, then they had him fight Shogun. Uh, obviously, again, not, not a fight there thing. And like, oh, yeah, Mark Coleman can win this and catapult him to you know, the top of the division. And then, you know, even arguably Stefan Bonner, who's not, like, an elite fighter at this point either, but, uh, you know, just, you know, from the kind of, like, the age and, you know... Uh, you know the ability level. You know mm-hmm. Stefan Bonner's still much more r- well-rounded. It was you know arguably be the rebound fight for Stefan Bonner, but he just got uh, taken down and couldn't do anything about it. So I mean you know it's not like the UFC was get, doing Mark Coleman any favors with the fights he was getting either. So, but really, who else is there? Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? Well, to be fair with the uh, the Shogun fight, that was Shogun coming off a yeah. year and a half layoff after, after yeah, losing yeah. Uh, pretty badly to Forrest Griffin. Yep. In a fight that surprised the hell of a lot of people, and you know Shogun uh, had fought Mark Coleman before in the Royal Rumble of 2006 uh, at Pride. Where uh, Mark Coleman spiked Shogun on the ground with a takedown and broke his arm sideways, and oops, yeah, some like thirty people jumped in the ring and started <laughs> battling. Um, so I mean, it, it, Mark Coleman does hold a win over Shogun. Technically, yes. they are one and one against each other. Yeah, and he'll always have a place in the in the history of UFC. You know, right. more for probably the scholars of the sport, though. Right. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those things where he's not he's not a relevant fighter, but you know, just what he did. You know. He, uh, I think the term got overused during the last pay-per-view, but the, the godfather of ground and pound, where he was like, because for a while it was like, oh, look at look at what jujitsu does, look what you can do off your back, and then all of a sudden this wrestler comes along and is like, oh, so he just punches them a lot in the face, and that works. Awesome. Okay, yeah. cool. So, I mean, like, what he did for the sport was great. It's just now... I think his time's clearly passed. Well, yeah. And he wasn't the first wrestler in the sport either. I mean, Dan Severn came in there and yeah. wrestled. He just didn't hit anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of something innovative. You know, it, it seems to us uh, such a, a simple thing now. You know, yeah. like take people down and ground and pound them. You know, it's we, we've got a, a funny, like, rhyme for it, ground and pound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we just say without even thinking about but at the time, like that was uh, some serious innovation. They're like, whoa, 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 guys, what is he doing? He can't just punch them when he's on the ground like that. He's yeah. punching him in the face. <laughs> the guy's not going to be able to punch him back. He, he's taken down. This is insane. <laughs> yeah. So he played a key role, I think, in the you know the evolution of MMA. But again, it's just one of those things. Like, hey, yeah, hey, but yeah. you know, here's well, your gold watch, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you for your service, sir. Excellent. Um, all right, move on. Yeah, let's talk about uh, UFC 110. 110. Woo-hoo! In Australia. That's all right. right. Uh, the first trip down under for the UFC, who is just going all over the place now. They're international, man. That's right. This is exciting. I mean, there's the couple, you know, top of the uh, fight cards pretty exciting. Uh, nothing. Uh, I guess the main event... Uh, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira versus Cain Velasquez, uh, that definitely has big, uh, you know, implication for the heavyweight division for sure. Um, uh, the rest of the fights, maybe not as much on the card, but uh, entertaining card it looks like uh, at this point. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. Let's uh, start with the main event. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to love Noguera. He, he's one of those guys who's been around for basically the entire last decade, and he's been pretty much at the top of the pile for heavyweights the entire time, with the exception of Fedor. 
um, who Noguera was never able to beat, although um, under UFC rules, he might have actually held a win over Fedor with uh, the accidental headbutt that busted Fedor wide open. People often forget about this. They mention that Fedor beat Noguera three times because they fought three times, but one of them was a no contest uh, under Pride rules. But in UFC rules, that could have very well have been a TKO uh, mm. from the incidental headbutt with the blood all over the place. Um, but, you know, besides that, he doesn't lose much. Um, I heard a quote a while back that Noguera doesn't lose. He runs out of time <laughs> because he's a guy who's known for all kinds of comebacks. He gets taken down. He gets the snot beaten out of him, but then he'll just bust out that submission in the very end of the fight. And, uh, you know, he's kind of the, the jiu-jitsu version of Scott Smith, you could say, where uh, he, he's always losing, but then he always wins in the end, almost. Yeah, he's very, uh, I believe the uh, little uh, thing they put under his name when he's walking out to the ring is durable, yeah. which uh, is, you know, that's one of those, like, I guess it's a compliment. This guy really gets punched a lot and doesn't lose. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he, I mean, that's not giving him credit. Of course, he's very talented, you know, both standing and, you know, got a great ground game. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm excited to see him take on uh, Cain Velasquez, who is... Uh, Needs to um, he still needs to polish his stand up. It seems, but he's got a great you know great wrestling and really he's been able to punish opponents by putting them on their back and uh, do that whole ground and pound thing. Yeah, this is um, this is a fight that I have a little bit of a hard time getting excited for. Um, even though it does have the title implications, just because this is another one where I don't see how Cain Velasquez wins this fight. Um, he is an outstanding wrestler, and he will definitely determine where the fight's going to take place. Um, Noguera, he gets the fight down to the ground when he needs to eventually, usually, but um, he doesn't have the best wrestling, and he doesn't really have the best takedown defense, although who cares if you take him down? That's usually what he wants anyway. Um, Cain Velasquez is an outstanding wrestler, He's working on other parts of his game, but he doesn't have any uh, significant punching power, and um, I've never seen any real submissions out of him either. I mean, he, he grounded pounds people, but they never seem to get knocked out really, or you know, hurt too badly out of the situation. Um, I mean, Chet Congo just got brutalized by him the entire fight and didn't look like he had a mark on him afterwards. And uh, Ben Rothwell. Uh, Took some damage from it. Ended up getting put away, but um, that was no. There was a. I mean, it was a kind of questionable uh, stoppage. Yeah, at point. not that uh, Rothwell was going to win necessarily. But oh yeah, just, like, but he was standing he, up as he was getting punched. He, he didn't look like he was being hurt by uh, all the punches that were hitting him with. And when you get get a guy who is known for being durable like that, yeah. um, I don't see any possibility uh, that you know Kane Velasquez is going to come in there and just knock him out. Although, you know, I got surprised by uh, Frank Mir doing that same thing. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't see how Velasquez wins this one unless he manages to write out a decision. But 15 minutes is a long time to fight with Noguera. Yeah, yeah, Velasquez, six of his seven wins have been TKO punches, um, and then he's got the one decision against Czech Congo. So, uh, and, um, you know, Noguera's got a much more uh, deep and uh, uh, more variety on his resume. Yeah. For sure. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, again, like the 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 name value and where it could go uh, is interesting for sure. But uh, who knows how the it'll play out in in the octagon? We'll we'll have to see. But I'm uh, I like where the uh, where the fight will what that'll lead to. I guess you know the outcome of the fight. Yeah, the implications of right, it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the mean, winner of this fight gets a title shot. Not necessarily. Yeah, they ha- they haven't really said anything yet because the title scene at heavyweight is kind of messed up right now because of the whole Brock Lesnar getting sick deal. Hmm, let's run down, da- r- run that down real quick. Just All right, so well, Brock Lesnar, um, he he's the king of the mountain yeah. currently. Um, <laughs> and then they're having what is either a number one contender match or an interim title fight, which uh, basically, the same uh, yeah, effectively point. they would be the same thing. But that's going to be Frank Mir against Shane Carwin. Uh, Shane Carwin was supposed to fight Brock Lesnar at UFC 106, but then uh, that all went to hell. So uh, he he still gets his spot, which is good because he wasn't the one who got injured. It was uh, it was the champ, and um, the winner of that fight, which. Uh, I believe is coming up in the near future. I, I don't remember right now when it's coming up, uh, but it's it's not too far off. The winner of that will be fighting Brock Lesnar in uh, in the summer sometime. 
So, I mean, there's a while now between uh, the time that this fight with uh, Noguera and Velasquez is going to happen and a title shot. But, you know, the winner of this fight could go on to fight somebody else in the summer, and that would most likely be a uh, title contention match. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if the circumstances are different, you can definitely make the argument that this could be a number one contender's match in itself just because of where, um, you know, Noguera and, you know, Velasquez at this point are kind of in the heavyweight divisions. Um, the the Mir Carwin fight is happening at UFC 111. 111, so, yeah, yes. it's the, the next pay-per-view. Yes. Um, yeah, I would imagine, uh, and it depends on uh, who wins the fights, obviously, um, because uh, Noguera is uh, a trainer with uh, Junior Dos Santos, but I'd imagine they're kind of going to have a four-man tourney kind of deal going on, and uh, Junior Dos Santos has got to be in there somewhere also. Um, but, you know, if he wins and Noguera wins, which uh, at this point I can't think of uh, anyone for Dos Santos that uh, would be a huge favorite over him, and I would think that Noguera is going to win this fight. So uh, they may have a uh, a little bit of a uh, thing they got to work out with that, uh, figure out who they want to give the title shot to. Which is a nice problem to have, honestly, as opposed to having, a, a, you know, just not a lot of depth or having a, the champion having run through every contender, so you end up coming up. And I mean, no offense to, like, Damian Maia or anything like that, where, where you have the Anderson Silva situation, where, like, well, I guess we'll have him fight uh, that guy, maybe. Uh, it is kind of nice to have, like, like, oh, we've got so many contenders who are, like, you know, right there, it's going to line them up, you know. That's that's a good problem to have. And yeah. The the UFC's heavyweight division has a history of being uh, less than stellar at times. So this is yeah. This is probably the most deep that I've ever seen the division, and it's still probably you know in all honesty UFC's shallowest division. Yeah. Yep. But just the fact that the the champ has been gone for a year uh, effectively when when he has his next fight, and uh, you know the UFC has been doing uh, they've been putting together an effort to build this up. They got uh, Ben Rothwell in there now. Um, and Roy Nelson, some uh, of the bigger names from the IFL, probably the, the, the two biggest names from the IFL. And, uh, you know, they've been picking up some people. They had uh, the season of the Ultimate Fighter where they're introducing a few new heavyweights, although... Not a lot of yeah, promising prospects. Not a whole lot that. of promising ones, but they had Roy Nelson, as uh, mentioned, and probably Brendan Schaub, who... Yeah. Uh, is an interesting prospect. Still and, of course, yeah, but, Kimbo yeah. Slice. Yeah, to, uh, <laughs> he's going to make a run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if he can string up enough victories... Uh, Kimbo Slam. I would like to see it, but <laughs> I, I don't see the uh, the Kimbo Slice-Brock Lesnar fight going in Kimbo's favor. <laughs> but you know, how many, you know how many pay-per-views that would sell, right? Like I'd Brazilian? watch it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Be fun. We should talk uh, Vanderlei Silva versus Michael Bisping. That's uh, Ooh, that has potential to be yeah. um, fireworks. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I think it's just about guaranteed to be fireworks. Yeah. Um, Vanderlei Silva, as I'd mentioned before, um, he he's lost something like six out of his last seven fights. Right. Um, m- several of which were brutal knockouts. Crow uh, Cop kicked him in the head. Uh, Dan Henderson. Basically did the same thing that he did to Michael Bisping uh, in a, a Pride event, and then uh, the the punch to Rampage also. So Vanderlei Silva's had his head rattled around quite a bit lately, but he's taken some time off. He's had his face surgery, yep. So he uh, he looks like a completely new guy. Yeah, and some scar tissue that sort of. Yeah, thing. he's uh, gonna not bleed as much, I guess, as a result of this. And um, he, he's coming in there, hopefully with uh, some new focus, some new fire, and... Uh, and a new face. <laughs> and, a, yeah, and a new face. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, I mean, he's kind of, you know, he, you kind of know what to expect uh, from Vanderlei Silva when it comes to fighting. You know, he's going to be very aggressive and move forward and, you know, throw those hands a lot. Um, yeah, and knees. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so... Cause, and he said, you know, in interviews that, you know, that he knows what fans like to see. So even though, you know, while it might be better for him... You know, from a health or you know a competitive aspect to um you know be more a little more deliberate or kind of slow things down. You know, work the ground game maybe a little bit more. He he knows that you know part of the reason he's still around and part of the reason his his name's still up there among you know kind of great uh, MMA fighters is, is because of what he brings to the table. Not necessarily because he has like a great win loss record at this point. It's because he he provides very entertaining fights. Uh, and then uh, Michael Bisping has been coming off quite a roller coaster as of late. He, uh, you know, he was almost undefeated for a long time. Uh, he, he had that one blemish from uh, Rashad Evans. Yep. 
But other than that, he, uh, he, he'd beaten a lot of guys. But at the same time, you know, you kind of look at the list of guys he'd beaten, and it's like, okay, you know, not the most impressive list for the most part. Uh, probably one of his biggest wins was Chris Levin, which is a good win, but it's not outstanding. Yeah, and, I took uh, it a split decision over Matt Hamill earlier. Yeah, and that one... Uh, Matt Hamill is good, but a lot of people, myself included, thought that Matt Hamill won that fight. I heard there was a bit of controversy. Yeah. Yes. I, I wasn't too pleased with the decision, but, um, you know, he's a good fighter, but it was kind of always hard to rank him because he he was the, the face of England for the UFC, and they were clearly giving him some pretty easy fights. They put him up against Dan Henderson, and he just gets demolished. Yeah, he implemented uh, poor strategy in that fight. Yeah, he, he spent most of the fight running away and then... Uh, Circling the wrong direction. Yeah, until, until he gets his head yeah. punched off and then, uh, you know, pounded some more. Yeah. Um, but then he fought Dennis Kang, who uh, really hasn't uh, had the success in the UFC that he had over in uh, Asia over the past several years, during the middle of the decade, he was looked at one of the the top uh, middleweights in the world. Um, but then he, he got choked out by Alan Belcher, and uh, he got a win in the UFC, I believe, also. But then he lost to Michael Bisping. But that fight was uh, really interesting for Bisping because he was coming off the loss to Dan Henderson, and he goes in there, and in the first round, almost gets knocked out. I mean, he's dazed, he's on his back, and he's pulling guard, and uh, he manages to recover and then comes back and wins by knockout in the second round. And uh, Vandalay Silva is another guy who's just going to be swinging for the fences. So this is a really interesting fight for Michael Bisping. He uh, could lose and lose horribly, but yep. he could also uh, he could pull something off. I think he's good enough to pull something off, but uh, the the recklessness of uh, Vandalay Silva has been known to overwhelm a lot of people who are technically usually better than him. Right, yeah, I mean, the the, the phrase, you know, overwhelming opponents, that's uh, perfect for Vandalay Silva. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of in the camp, but I don't, I don't think Michael Bisping is as bad or as good as many people have made him out to be, you know. I, I, think, he, I think he is a, a pretty decent fighter, and yeah, he has a, his record's not, you know, Aside from you know you know recently with Dennis King, Dan Henderson, and the Rashad Evans fight, but that was even before Rashad was really you know a, a top fighter at that point. You know, so he hasn't had a, had a, a great amount of quality opponents. But um, you know, I don't I don't think he's a horrible fighter by any stretch of the imagination, and he's he showed he's developed some, but still needs to work on you know circling away to the uh, maybe work on circling away away from the power hand as opposed yes. to towards into, it. Into a giant overhand right from Ben Henderson, <laughs> but we'll see. Again, he's one of those fighters that, um, you know, for the most part, uh, is pretty uh, interesting. He he um, perhaps um, brings a lot of negative feelings from certain fans, so that makes all those fights kind of more interesting. And you know, his his recent fights have been pretty entertaining. On top of that, yeah. so. he certainly talks up a big game. Yeah. And um, Ooh, those Brits, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's one of many of the uh, the Brits in the UFC who can uh, get you interested in watching him fight, whether or not you you want to see him win. Um, you, you, you certainly want to see him get his head punched. Oh yeah. Oh, Although yeah. Um, after seeing Dan Henderson destroy him like that, I, I've I've wiped the slate yeah. clean with uh, Michael Bisping. He got his comeuppance, and uh, you know until he says something else that pisses me off, I'm, yes. I'm okay with him. Yeah, give him a fresh start. Pablo Raza. So what right. else we have? Um, Joe Stevenson versus George Sotiropoulos. That's a good fight. Yeah, that's that's a good fight. We also have uh, Ryan Bader versus Keith Jardine. Uh, I'm just gonna like run down them all, and then we can kind of yeah pick and choose. Otherwise, good pronunciation like there earlier, by the way. What? Good pronunciation. Yeah. Good job. George Sotiropoulos. I think it's Sotiropoulos. Yeah. I was yeah. close enough the first time. <laughs> no, it was close enough for yeah. me. You could have fooled me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Crow Cop taking on Ben Rothwell. Now, can you say Crow Cop's last name? Because I can't. <laughs> Normally I can, but man, you stick a microphone in front of me, I can't say Scott Smith's name right half the time. <laughs> Just give it a shot. No, I'm not. He's uh, a Crow Cop, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the UFC doesn't even try to say it. They yeah. just call him Mirko, which is his yeah. first name, and then Crow Cop. Yeah, man. everyone thinks his last name is Crow Cop, and it's totally not. It's not? Because his last name <laughs> yeah. is like Filipovich. Yeah. Crow hey, Cop stands good. for uh, Croatian cop. He was a cop in Croatia. Oh. Anti-terrorism. 
Mm. Yeah. He's a par- he's, All that uh, Croatian terrorism I hear so much about. Yeah, he's also in the Croatian parliament. That. That's the thing, man. <laughs> he was that good at his job. Prokop was kicking them in the face <laughs> whenever they tried to start something. Yeah. Also on the card, I think uh, Greg's favorite fighter, C.B. Dalloway. Oh, that C.B. <laughs> makes me so mad. <laughs> Taking on Gordon Relic, uh, Stefan Bonner uh, versus Krzysztof Sosinski. There's like eight Z's in his name. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Uh, and then, you know, down on the card more, you get Chris Lytle's fighting uh, a couple of the guys. Fun. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the main card looks good. And the undercard, you know, Chris Lytle's always a, a fun fighter to watch. Whether he wins or loses, he always brings it, you know. And i got to say, for Stefan Bonner, he's kind of one of those guys, you know, that you're always <laughs> kind of pulling for. But, you know, he's just like, ah, something's going to go wrong. He's going to get injured. He had some issues with uh, steroids before. But, I mean, just for me, because he was like one of the few likable people, at least for me, on the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, among many people who are drunk and disorderly and peeing on each other. And or just sure. weird, like right. uh, Diego. Right. Didn't know what asparagus was, that sort of thing. Uh, he kind of came across as a relatively um, normal person, and he just has really never been able to put it together uh, since since then. Um, you know, he had the great fight with Forrest Griffin, and, you know, he's been really uneven, has injuries, that sort of thing. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Um, and the same almost goes for me, at least for Crow Cop. Uh, this goes back to the whole, uh, I want to see him win, uh, you know, totally biased in this case, nothing against Ben Rothwell, but it's one of those things where I want to see him win just so UFC fans who never saw Pride or weren't aware of Krokop before he came to the UFC know that he's actually a really good fighter. Because it's the same thing with like Vanderlei Silva, some of the other guys who come over for Pride who haven't put it together in the ring uh, in the UFC as much, it's just like... People who are just watching the UFC don't know. People who aren't familiar, like newer fans, just don't know that these guys were actually really good and are kind of like legends in the sport. Because if you watch what they did in the UFC, you're like, eh. Is it their age? Is it the, uh, the I, difference I in location? Yeah. Actually, um, a lot of these guys are younger than uh, some people who have had a lot of success. I mean, Krokop is up there in the areas. He's 35. But, I mean, look at Chuck Liddell. He's 40. Um, and, you know, he held his championship. Oh, he didn't Do they switch their, chan- uh, their camps when they move over to UFC? Um, well, Vanderlei Silva certainly did. Uh, the shoot-a-box team uh, that he was in in Brazil certainly dissolved. Um, Krokop had some nasty injuries uh, mm-hmm. in his early time in the UFC, though, and uh, I would actually be willing to give Gabriel Gonzaga credit for ruining Krokop's career. Um, that was a fight that Krokop was certainly expected to win, um, but it was the number one contendership uh, after Gonzaga won that. He he went on to fight Randy Couture uh, for the title. But Krokop was in there. He had just beaten Eddie Sanchez, which was pretty much just some chum for the shark. And uh, he was going in there to fight his first test, and uh, he's always been known for having really good takedown defense. And Gonzaga got him down because Gonzaga's a big, strong guy with some good takedowns. And he, he unleashed a lot of elbows, uh, which Krokop was not used to, because in Pride, there's no elbows on the ground. I, I don't think there's even elbows standing up, but... I mean, they let you do everything else on the ground. Yeah. Soccer kit people, but no... But no elbows for whatever reason, and uh, that, that's a big deal when you're coming to the UFC. So he takes a lot of elbows, and he gets stood up for no apparent reason. Um, I mean, there was still plenty of action going on in the fight. I mean, Joe Rogan even said something during the fight, like, why the hell are you standing these guys up? Uh, th- this should not happen. And uh, I think Krokop was probably still dazed, and uh, Gabriel Gonzaga pulled his move out, the uh, the head kick, and knocked him out with his own uh, kick. And then the but, universe imploded. Yes. Uh, not only is that going to be something, I think, in the mind of Krokop, but he managed to spin around and uh, land on his own foot at a crazy mm. angle. Yeah, you need bad. to see it sometime if you've never. Uh, just look up uh, Krokop and uh, Gabriel Gonzaga, and you can see the pictures, and it's just like, legs aren't meant to to go in that direction. And uh, w- when you're a guy who's a kicker, uh, that's what you do. Um, you, know, you, you, you can't be getting any major leg injuries. And um, as far as I know, I, he hasn't won by a, a high kick since then. And if he has, it, it certainly hasn't been in the UFC. His only UFC win since then was the, uh, the eye poke. TKO yeah. over uh, Mustafa Al Turk. Yeah, and I mean he doesn't even really throw kicks anymore. Um, it's something that all of his opponents kind of seem to be wary of. Like he he might throw it at me, but he he doesn't. And uh, I think that could be due to uh, some serious leg injuries that he had. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, again, it kind of goes to the cachet that like, these fighters have with kind of more old-school fans or people who are more familiar with the, you know, stuff outside of the UFC. Whereas, you know, like, any, Pro Cop's probably not going to win this fight against Ben Rothwell, but, like, I can't help it in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, I just want to see him just a head kick, and then they will go on a run, and it's not going to happen, but I want it to. You know, there's just, like, it's like it's the same thing with, like, Mark Coleman. It would have been great to see, like, a... You know, this guy who's towards the end of the career, you know, the, the old... Yeah, not Mark. The, the old Warhorse. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the old Warhorse go out on, with a victory or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, you, know. you, you get the same thing with, like, Chuck Liddell now. It's like, oh, yeah, he'll get that one knockout, and then he can retire on top. And They never retire. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's half the reason why this Tito fight got set up, is that Dana White's just, like, praying that Chuck is going to knock him out and then just stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so, you know, after he, he knocks Tito out, assuming that does happen... Um, He's going to be asking for a title shot next. Yeah. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, the Crow Cop, uh, Ben Rothwell fight, I think I think is good. Um, you know, Rothwell probably should be able to take it, you know, provided, again, he avoids getting punted in the face, mm-hmm. um, which at this point kind of seems, even though Crow Cop hasn't busted out recently, that's kind of what he has at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's got some stoppages, TKO punches, and he, he's pulled off a few submissions. But against someone, Rothwell's pretty well-rounded for the most part. Um, it'll be... Uh, Probably another another sad day for Crow Cop fans. Well, let's, let's hope not. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Uh, so, Greg, what's your deal with CB? You know, I, I watched the uh, the season of The Ultimate Fighter that he was on, and he was just a snotty punk mm. the whole time. <laughs> At least he didn't go on a drunken rampage in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, <laughs> he didn't do that. Yes, yes. But he was really annoying, and he uh, he has the uh, the butthead thing going on where his uh, his lips are <laughs> over his top gum every time he talks, um, which you know I, I can't fault him for that, I guess, but I can make fun of him for it because he sucks. Um, but he is a good fighter. Uh, just annoys the hell out of me, and I like to see him lose. And he will actually be fighting against Mini Krokop, uh, Gorhan uh, Reljik, which uh, is another name that is foreign. And I totally just messed up, I'm sure. Yeah. But that guy is the man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even though I cannot say his name. He, he's only even don't appreciate them. Yeah. Because we're bad at names. Yeah, he, no, he, uh, it's okay, people. He's only had one fight in the UFC, um, and that was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, um, UFC 84. Yeah, it was a while ago, uh, where he beat Wilson Govea. And uh, that was an exciting fight. Um, but this guy, he got injured since then. And there was a story that came out a long time ago about he was at his uh, at his place of residence in Croatia, and he heard a noise outside while he was sleeping, and he looks in like a van drove into the ocean or something like that, and he jumps out of his house and jumps into the water and saves these two dudes that were like trapped in their car. Mm. And uh, is a UFC fighter. Right on. So too bad they weren't big booby women. <laughs> <laughs> or if they were, they would have been drowning. Well, it, it would have been more believable that they would have uh, dro- driven their van into the ocean. Yes, another women can't drive yes. joke brought to you by Matt Collins of the Audio Choke. Email. <laughs> be a lot of editing on this podcast. <laughs> Leave a comment, ladies. So anyway, uh, I- I'm hoping. Uh, he kicks off CB Dalloway's head because I hate that guy. <laughs> he sucks. Definitely gonna have to put a disclaimer at the beginning of this one. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, no, that should, that should be an interesting fight. Um, yeah, other than that, Ryan Bader versus versus Keith Jardine. I mean, I, that, again, not re- necessarily a relevant fight, but given the way Keith Jardine fights, could be uh, a very quick fight and. Yeah. Uh, Explosive, that sort of thing, fireworks. And then, of course, off of, his, uh, off of his white hot acting career. <laughs> yeah. Just because he looks like a, you know, the techno Viking doesn't mean you got to be all like down on him, man. I actually, uh, you know, this is a fight that I think is kind of interesting. The, the fights that I don't like seeing Keith Jardine in are the ones where he fights aggressive, hard punchers because he always loses so fast. Um, Thiago Silva. He's uh, he's an excellent fighter. Um, He's uh, he seems to have a decent chin once he gets warmed up, but he seems to be very easy to overwhelm early on in the fight. Uh, Vanderlei Silva did it. Houston Alexander did it. Um, I mean, if if you can hit him hard and fast uh, early on, you can beat him. But if he can drag the fight later on, um, he can beat some notable guys. I mean, he beat uh, 
Forrest Griffin in the first round. He beat Chuck Liddell. He had a really close fight with Rampage in Rampage's most recent fight. Yep. Um, and then he beat Brandon Vera. So, I mean, he's got some good fights, some good wins over some top guys. And uh, Ryan Bader, I believe, is still undefeated, um, but really had a his first good test in his last fight against Eric Schaefer. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be another step up in competition for him. Um, I would expect him to... Uh, Kind of have a hard time with this fight, but uh, Keith Jardine throws a lot of leg kicks, yep. and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Bader can catch one of them. Yeah, it was, it was uh, his last fight, uh, Jardine's last fight against Tiago Silva, really kind of sh- uh, exposed his uh, stand-up. Because, I mean, he, he does, you know, he, he's, he's a heavy hitter and such, but, um, you know, there's always been this big deal made about it. he's an unorthodox striker which is kind of code for he's not doing it the way you're supposed to. And look, uh, I, I'm not like an expert on any of this, but, you know, like Tiago Silva really kind of, you know, cause Keith Jardine was dropping his hands at inopportune times and kind of has an awkward posture, which works. Sometimes it throws guys off their games like, why is he why is he standing like that? That's weird. Uh, but other times, uh, in the case of Tiago Silva, he's like, That's, that guy has poor technique. Uh, I'm going to punch him in the face. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's made any adjustments since that time. I mean, he, he's training with Greg Jackson, who, as we all know, never has a fight or lose ever. You know, he's Yoda, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, he is a, is a good trainer and hopefully would adapt uh, the game plan. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that's an interesting fight. Again, no immediate implications in the division, but, uh, you know, kind of rebuilding um, for Keith Jardine and Ryan Bader. Uh, again, like you mentioned, Greg, a good step up in competition. Yeah. Um, since he's won the Ultimate Fighter 8, he... Uh, I mean, he pretty much walked through all his competition on the show, and uh, he had one fight after that. Uh, I'm forgetting who it was, too. But um, he pretty much dominated that guy, and then he, uh, in his last fight against Schaefer, was finally the first, like, real test he had, and that was a much closer fight. He, he clearly won it, in my eyes, but it was uh, there were some scary moments for him in uh, the, the Schaefer fight. Yeah, um, yeah, his last one was Eric Schaefer, like you mentioned that before. That was uh, Carmelo Marrero. Uh, took a unanimous decision over him, and yeah, he is undefeated, ten and zero. Um, looks like three and zero since he winning the Ultimate Fighter. Good memory, Greg. Woo! Excellent. Want to pick through anything else? Oh, uh, you know, just the Joe Stevenson, George Sotoropoulos, Sotoropoulos, Sotoropoulos. Oh, that fight. fight. Yeah, you know, <laughs> all those guys. The first two names were probably closer to being correct. That's another uh, Australian on the card in Sotoropoulos. Yeah. Got to get the uh, got to get the pop. Do you think Ms. Bisping is going to get a, a pop for you know? Having an accent? Yeah, um, it's not an American accent. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what do the Australians think of the the English? Well, they still have the same queen, I do believe. Oh, okay. Um, well. This is where we like really like just bust out our knowledge of world politics. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We're Americans. We know yeah. nothing outside of our borders. I like yeah. cheeseburgers and cheap beer. It's America, man. And freedom fries. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that should be uh, uh, another... Man, I overuse the phrase interesting, but, uh, again, it should be a, a good fight. I think, yeah, I'm really interested to see the Australian audience, because, yeah, yeah. you know, those guys, they, from what I've seen in movies, <laughs> they're, they're very, rowdy. yeah, they're into their sports, so I'm hoping to see just a lot of well, screaming like, yeah. and red face and just a lot of noise, which it, I think will help the fighters. Yeah, and it really seems like anytime the UFC comes to a new, new market, whether that's in, you know, the States or, you know, overseas somewhere, it always seems like they get that big, you know, like first-time pop, which is, just makes the event more uh, more exciting, even if the fights necessarily aren't, like, amazing. Mm. Just, like, having the crowd that amped up really adds to the uh, the excitement level. But, uh, yeah, I mean, George Sotoropoulos versus Joe Stevenson should be good. Uh, Sotoropoulos' last win was over Jason Dent. Yeah, this is a big step up for uh, Sotoropoulos, uh, who has really kind of been mopping up a lot of uh, the Ultimate Fighter guys, uh, a-, a lot of the submission guys, actually. Uh, he has been out-submissioning them. He's undefeated since uh, being on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, where he lost in the semifinals to Tommy Spear. And that doesn't count. It's amateur. Yeah, amateur fight or exhibition fight. Yes, uh, yes. Got, and he got poked in the eye like right before the knockout anyway, so it's hard to hold that too hard against him. Um, his last fight was against Shinya Aoki from a kick-to-the-balls disqualification. Yeah, his, lo- his last loss, which is, yeah, if you're going to lose, that's the way to do it, I guess. Yeah. It's not like he got beat up. It's like you kicked a guy in the balls. So. Yeah, and it was a top name. I mean, yep. uh, Shinya Aoki is, uh, you know, he's the uh, the top lightweight outside of the UFC, yep. I would say. And... Uh, 
Yeah, so he didn't get his ass kicked by him. He didn't get submitted. He just kicked him in the, you know, giblets. Yeah, and Joe Stevenson's, uh, you know, he's been on the roller coaster ride. Uh, he had his ups and downs. He's, he's fought for the belt before, and uh, like many people who fought against BJ Penn, uh, did not look good no. doing so. But he looked better than Diego did, even though he ended up uh, losing to Diego when he fought him. Yeah, but, uh, you know, he's coming off of uh, wins over Nate Diaz and most recently Spencer Fisher. So, um, you know, he, I think he's kind of in the rebuilding phase where, you know, a couple more wins. Uh, he'll he'll at least have the resume if he, you know, gets a few more wins to, to you know, make the argument for another title shot, whether that'll happen because, you know, it's it's harder for someone who's already lost to the champ to get a, another shot at him. Um, we'll see if that materializes. But it, I, I think this is a good uh, matchup for both guys just uh, kind of from a positioning standpoint of of where they'll be in the division after this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, yeah, Joe Stevenson's you know good wrestling, that sick guillotine, that sort of thing. Um, he, he's been working on his stand up. It seems to be be improving, you know, slowly, yeah. gradually. But uh, both of these guys are definitely uh, primarily ground fighters, though. Um, I mean, obviously mixed martial artists. They uh, they do a little bit of everything, but both of them are known for uh, you know submission wins. Uh, Joe Stevenson is uh, a little more focused in that, in that he's got the guillotine. Uh, that's his move of choice. But uh, George Sotiropoulos is uh, excellent off fighting off of his back. So that should be an interesting fight. I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they spend a lot of the time with uh, Joe Stevenson in, uh, in Sotiropoulos' guard and uh, seeing how that plays out. Yeah, I don't know if you guys heard though. The close guard is dead, according to uh, John Fitch. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what he thinks. Yeah, um, but you know, he's uh, he's uh, probably an authority on the matter, seeing as how he's been making a career out of uh, pounding dudes when they've got the closed guard. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, um, let's see if somebody can put him in a rubber guard sometime. Let's see what happens there. Yeah, He'll throw his whole game plan off. Oh no. But uh, yeah, the only um, no, I don't think there's any spike. Uh, none of the prelims on spike this time because it's the uh, the international card. So you know the time zone and the delays mm. and stuff are all weird, which is always it. it you know it, at the same time, actually, when the the UFC goes to like a new international market or something, there's that added excitement. But at the same time, there's the whole like, I have to avoid the internet for the next ten hours so I don't find out what happened or like the next four hours or whatever. So you kind of you know because yeah, it's, it, it's going to be tape delayed. That's I, I think you might be able to get an early afternoon viewing, but uh, check your local listings. It, it's kind of a shame that this isn't going to be a spike pay per view because that's or a spike show I should say. Uh, it will be on pay per view, um, and I just say that for uh, selfish reasons because uh, you it's know it's expensive. It's always nice when uh, UFC does a show in England and uh, they, they charge all the English people pay per view money, and then we just get to watch it for free. Right. But it looks like they're not going to do that this time around. Oh, well. Bummer. Dang you, Lex Luthor. Uh, also, uh, the king of rock and rumble, Elvis Sinosik, will be back once again. He's, ma- he's making his return. Yes. Um, notable Australian from uh, years past. He uh, he beat Jeremy Horn in 2001. And he keeps getting invited back because of that one win. He, uh, he got a, a title shot against Tito Ortiz shortly after that and uh, was on all the old school UFC video games but he really has not had any success in the UFC other than that one fight I don't think he's had a single win in the octagon let's see losses to Forrest Griffin Sakara hmm yeah lost to Michael Bisping but uh lost you know to Babalu and Tanner hey you know a lot of people lost to Babalu um, <laughs> this is true until recently yeah um, but you know he, he's a likable guy, and uh, he, he's an Australian for a show in Australia. Why not? He's got a name, and he's got a sweet thing of facial hair going on. Yeah, the flavor saver. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, not the not the best fighter by any means. But uh, especially it's 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 understandable, especially when you're going to like a new market and you, you get like some of the hometown guys. Get that uh, the local uh, pop, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, which definitely seems to kind of be Krokop's thing now. Uh, you know, just like anytime the UFC is going somewhere, yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to Germany? Uh, let's put Krokop on the card. <laughs> going to Australia? Oh, yeah. let's put Krokop over there. This fight's going to be the one. He's going to land a head kick. He's going to win. He's going to do it. <laughs> He's going to re-break his leg. Yeah, so I think that's the, most of the fights on. I didn't go through everyone, but uh, yeah, some, right. of the, some of the more interesting ones. Um, we've, we've, I'm looking at the time. We've been talking for like an hour and a half. 
Okay, well, damn! <laughs> New record for the audio choke. We win. I, I hope this uh, this sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, just a quick uh, word of advice for anyone uh, struggling with you know maybe uh, eating too much that sort of thing. Uh, definitely uh, look up Martin Camp- Campman. Uh, oh. He 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 had to pull out of uh, UFC 111 for an injury to his over his eye. Um, and he posted the picture on his Twitter. It's disgusting. Is it? Oh, is it infected? Uh, no. I don't know if it's so All right, that. we're going to go do that. Because yeah, yeah. i got to tell you, I need some bulimia in my life. I need to need to purge, man. Yeah, but uh, it, it's quite a, you know, sometimes you're question, questioning, like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that guy got injured before his fight. No, Martin Kampman uh, should not uh, go anywhere near an octagon anytime soon. Yeah, uh, that thing right is going to be... Uh, it's going to be there for a while. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to take a little bit to heal up, and that's the kind of thing where yep. one punch is just going to make that bleed all over the place. Yeah, it's gross, but uh, Jake Ellenberger will be stepping in for Martin Katman to take on Ben Sanders at UFC 111. So there's your uh, injury update. Well, that's good. Ben Sanders, is uh, he's a good up-and-comer. Yep. He, uh, he lost, lost Mike- that, that yeah. fight to Mike Swick, but... Um, other than that, he's uh, he's looked very well yeah. since his time on The Ultimate Fighter. Also losing to Tommy Spear on that season. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, his last fight put Marcus Davis to sleep, uh, dangerously so. With, you know, nice, uh, I think knees in the clinch. So, Matt, end the show. We're Absolutely, just, we're, we're, we're just gonna keep talking. I was just forever. waiting for you just to end your freaking sentence, Tobin. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't. end the sentence, I shall. And thank you very much for hanging out with the audio choke. As usual, we encourage you to leave a comment, go to the forum, start up a conversation. Um, also, please uh, go to us on iTunes and download us. Uh, next week, I would like to be able to say that we are the 143rd most popular <laughs> iTunes sports podcast. We are the audio choke. and I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Greg Rowland. And I'm Matt Collins. Thank you so much for hanging out. All right, don't turn it off yet. I got a Easter egg for uh, for this show. I, did, I didn't mean to shut no, up. That's what, no, dude. You didn't end your sentence. No. We, should, we should have. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, we're at. Uh, we did have a pretty long intro, or you know, yeah, yeah, but it's probably it was probably like no more than eight minutes or something like that. Right. Yeah. So, part. so what? An hour and a half? About hour twenty? Yeah, it's more like an hour twenty at this point. But yeah, it's. It's a bit lengthy. Hey, that's fine. The new, you know, it's better, better too long. You know. All right, Matt, get off in the microphone. Okay, and take a look so, at that. so who, so who is this again? This is Martin Catman. Martin Catman's injury right above his eye. Huh? This is your first yeah. reaction to seeing it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> wow! I didn't know that you had that much meat right above your eye. Wow, that's deep. You can't look away, though, can you? No, it's hypnotizing. Like, it's disgusting, but at the same time... I want to have sex happen? with it. Well, I mean, what? <laughs> putting it a little far. Be confusing that with another... Uh, appendage? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Where's that little man in the boat? No, it's just an eyelash. Um, wow, that's disgusting. What happened? Got punched in the eye. Oh, man, that is deep. That's why they put Vaseline on fighters. Goodness. Yeah. And, like, the bottom part's just gone limp, you know? There's, It's not even connected anymore. It's just, just I was open. kind of half expecting to see his brain in there somewhere. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pinching myself, and it's not, it's nothing near that, that thick. He's got a big old caveman forehead. He's probably, he's probably got some uh, eyebrow muscles he's been working out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing me that. Yeah. That yeah. was fun. To make a good Easter egg. Yeah. Oh, God. Ah, <laughs> dude. Dude. All right. My day cool is officially worn off. i got to get out of here. All right, man. All right, later. Oh.